Hey, I'm Amy from Rebel Nutrition, and you're listening to Wealthy, Worthy, and Wild, a podcast focused on helping you live your most abundant life, whatever that means to you. From money, to entrepreneurship, to manifestation, to wellness and beauty hacks, to the occasional Real Housewives reference, if you're ready to start becoming your next level self, the future version of you who's doing, being, and attracting everything you desire, and having fun while you do it, you are in the right place, and it's time to start showing up as this version of you right now. Let's get into the show. Delianne is a former attorney, money mentor, has been named one of the most influential voices of money by time, and was also the host of Diversifying, the first personal finance podcast produced by CNN. She launched Delianne the Money Coach after discovering FIRE, financial independence, relax early, as she likes to call it. She's now on track to reach financial independence by age 45. Through social media and her Slay the Stock Market course, she teaches new investors how to achieve financial independence by investing in the stock market. Delianne, I'm so excited to have you and chat about all things money. Yes, my favorite topic. I'm like, Me oh, too. <laughs> want to talk about money? Let's go. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I guess that's a perfect segue into the conversation. I'm curious if you were always really interested in money or like what your life looked like growing up and how you kind of got into this field. Yeah, I think, um, you know, money was always top of mind in the sense of like, you, I never had enough, right? Um, I struggled a lot growing up. I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this. You know, I'm an immigrant. I was born in Brazil and my parents um, struggled with money. I saw them struggle with it. So I grew up thinking like, I don't want to repeat that, right? I don't want that for myself. So I really focused on my education. I saw my education as the way to finally lift myself out of poverty. And it did, right? I went from making $28,000 a year to making $85,000 a year as an attorney. And I thought I had like hit the, the big time, right? I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. And then you realize you live in New York City and you have to pay your student loans. And you're like, no, I'm not. So realization, right? Um, but I basically just focused on like saving as much money as possible, but I was very much living in a side that nine to five box. Like my money is limited to like what I make in my nine to five and without really thinking of other ways that I could, you know, make more money. And that's pretty much how it went for like 14 years when finally I was like, oh my God, I was so unhappy in my career. I was so frustrated with being an attorney. I was totally burned out. And I was like, God, I, I can't imagine doing this until I'm 65 years old. This is going to be a nightmare. So I just, you know, started digging around the internet as one does. And I found like the debt-free community. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. People who are being like super frugal and like doing everything they can to pay down their debt and um, you know, like couponing and like really living very, very frugally. And immediately I was like, mm, this is not for me. You know, it's just too extreme. And it reminded me of like extreme dieting type of culture. And I'm like, this is, this, I don't align with this. So I just kept, you know, searching and I found the financial independence community where they're talking about investing in the stock market and being able to like retire early. And I'm like, what is this? I've what's nobody's ever talked to me about this stuff. It was completely brand new. And I, here I am living in New York city, a, an attorney, I'm living three subway stops from the stock market. Right. And you would think that I would have been exposed to this at some point, but nobody had ever approached me and talked to me about it. The most I knew about was like a 401k. 
right? Because that's what your employer offers you. But even that I didn't really understand. So I just started, you know, digging into it, learning more about it. And then as one does, I started sharing about it on, on Instagram. I'm like, Hey y'all, um, I, my, my page was also a fitness page. So I was already, you know, having fun, uh, sharing a lot of my fitness journey on Instagram, but I'm like, I know you guys like my fitness posts, but we're going to pivot here. I'm going to start talking about money. This is like my new interest now. So if you want to stick around, cool. If not, I totally understand. And it turned out that people were really, really into it because they were struggling with it too. So I started, you know, sharing the stuff around what January, 2020 and the, the rest is history. The business just blew up from there and people were just clamoring for that kind of information. But as far as like what my money mindset is today versus growing up, it could not like be more different. That's, I mean, you just said so many things that I want to dive into. <laughs> I'm like trying to decide which, which area to take it. So, so you are, are you kind of like self-taught in everything that you know, in investing, you didn't go to like, I mean, I don't even know what like a, a school for a financial advisor would be, but yeah. everything you've kind of learned has been sort of just through your own self-knowledge. Absolutely. Everything self-knowledge. And I even started putting myself through the CFP program, which is the certified financial planner. There is like a program you can enroll like through a college. And I started going through it. I got more than halfway through it. And I started realizing this is stuff that I already know. And they're teaching it in a really complicated way. And, you know, because that's what the financial industry does. They complicate everything. Um, And I was really not enjoying myself and I wasn't learning anything new. And I'm like, I don't think that this is really going to you know, benefit me the way that I thought that it would. And that's not a knock on financial planners. They have their purpose, but for the level, you know, that I'm teaching, like the very beginner level, intro level stuff that for people to just get started and just like not be intimidated, it's like the perfect entry point. Like you don't need a big fancy degree in order to teach the stuff that I'm teaching. Well, I think that's why I was drawn to your page so much in the beginning anyways, is because like you said, a lot of financial, especially stuff around the stock market and investing, it's so high level and so like intimidating and hard to understand for somebody who's not like a finance person. So when I saw your Instagram and this, the kind of content that you were posting, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so digestible and easy to understand. And it makes me feel like, oh, I could actually start investing, even though that's something that feels really, really scary. So obviously I'm going to get into a bunch of like investing questions a little bit later, but I'm just curious. Cause I know you said like your money mindset totally changed from where you started and then like where you are today, what helped you, or like, at what point did you realize that your money mindset was like not working for you? And then how did you overcome that? Cause I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with is like, Maybe they're in debt right now and they obviously have big dreams for themselves, but that, that mindset piece, even if you know logically and strategically what to do, I think the mindset piece can like really get in people's way. 100%. I, you know, I tell people investing money management, it's 80% psychology, really. It's 20% actually applying and clicking the buttons and doing the things, but it's 80% psychology. So um, it's really important that people understand like what's holding them back. And for me, again, because I was coming from a very like scarcity mentality, like, oh my God, um, my money's going to run out. And then what would I do? And then I could, you know, this money will just disappear and I'll end up homeless and I'll, I'll lose everything. Like literally I would take it to that end point of that extreme. And so what did I do? I was hoarding a lot of money, like in a savings account, right? Like the, my life savings was basically sitting in a savings account doing nothing for me. I was, I finally realized to even pay off my student loans, which I owed, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars, close to 150 to let go of money so that you can knock out that kind of debt 
you have to overcome scarcity mentality. Like to pay off debt, you have to believe that you will make more money. Otherwise, you can't even get yourself to like pay that bill because you're so scared you're not going to make the money back. So, so many people will sit with their debt because they would rather have the money in a banking account, even though they have this big, massive debt looming over them. So when I finally realized that, oh, paying off my debt will help me get closer to financial independence, it will help me like generate more money because then I'll be able to invest more money. All of that connected for me, right? Then I started seeing like an end goal that made more sense because just paying off debt for the sake of paying off debt is like, why? Like Sally Mae can wait for the checks, you know, until she she can get the checks in like 20 years or whatever. I didn't feel, I didn't see the reason. But when I started seeing like, oh, this is one step closer to financial freedom, then it started making sense. And so that, that's when things started shifting. And to be able to invest your money in anything, a business, the stock market, uh, real estate, you have to be able to like release money, right? You have to release money in order to like make some money back. And so um, what I started realizing is I'm like, when you're suffocating money, when you're literally like strangling it, holding on to it, it cannot work for you. Like it will not. So, um, once I connected those dots, I was able to finally start making big, big moves with my money. I love that. I think there's like this energetic piece to money too, where it's like, if, if you're, well, not just money really with anything, even like people or relationships or just anything that you're like too attached to, and you will not let go. Um, or you're too controlling over it, like automatically is like repelled from you. You know what I mean? Whereas if you're kind of like, I don't know, open to receiving and open to it going and like, I don't know, just having this open relationship with it. It like, seems like it circulates more effectively. And I think like, I, your story really resonated with me so much too, because I think I had a similar experience when I, I was a minimalist for a while and I was like super budgeter trying to pay off debt. And I like, wouldn't spend money on anything that wasn't necessary. And I think I kind of came to this realization of like, you can be the best saver in the world, but at the end of the day, like that's only going to get you so far. Like at a certain point you need to figure out how to make your money kind of work for you. Um, and I think that's really something that really interests me about investing, which you're obviously an expert in. So can you talk a little bit about the different types of investments? Like, obviously I think you focus on the stock market, right? But they're kind of like some different types. Could you go over maybe like the different types? Yeah. I mean, you can invest in all kinds of different things. You can invest in like gold and commodities and you can invest in real estate. Um, you know, there's like Forex and futures and all this crazy stuff. There's crypto, right? But I um, focus on the stock market because I, the stock market is, you know, it's not exactly 100% correlated, but like, I think of the stock market as, you know, tied to the U.S. economy and the U.S. economy is a booming economy. It's been doing well for years and years and years. And so by investing in the stock market, that's what you're doing. You're investing in the economy. You know, I rather invest on all of these companies that are successful without me having to pick which one I think will be successful because that's the tricky part, right? Where it's like, people are like, okay, that's nice. I want to invest, but what, which one do I start with? Like, do I buy Tesla? Do I buy Amazon? Do I buy this one? I'm like, how about you buy all of them? Buy all of them. And then you will get the average of all those companies. The good and the bad will average out and you'll make an average return. And a lot of people will hear that and be like, well, I don't want average. I want like excellent. I want, you know, more than average. And I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? With those more than average returns also comes much, much higher risk, right? So you have to take that into consideration that there is no such thing as a risk-free investment. So you are trying to be, you know, an educated investor. You want to get like a nice return without 
wiping yourself out. And so this is why I don't do really, I don't day trade, which means like, you know, like you're looking at a stock price in the morning and then you might be selling it by the afternoon. You're trying to make like quick money, right? You're basically trying to make money in, you know, the attempt is like, I want cash flow from the stock market. That's very, very um, risky. People do it. They make money, they lose money. And it's also extremely time consuming. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want to be sitting in front of a computer all day looking at stock charts and all that thing. Like, I don't want that. So when I discovered index funds, which means like, let's buy everything, very passive. And it's been proven over and over again that it works. It, it all like clicked for me. I'm like, this sounds great. This is exactly what I want. You know, I want to be able to like live my life, you know, run my business or, you know, like you, you know, I like to go for my massages. I like to have my spa days. And I'm like, I don't want to be sitting in front of like a stock ticker watching what the stock market's doing. Like that sounds miserable to me. So, and people have kids and, you know, they're running around like living their lives. They don't have time for this stuff. So that's the kind of investing that works for me. So I would be considered like a long-term buy and hold investor. So very different from somebody who's like an options day trader trying to like time the market and, you know, really, really invested in what's going on every single day in the market. I can basically like not look at the stock market at all for six months and it won't, it's not a problem for my portfolio. I love that. Yeah. And I love the, I love your method because it really truly is passive and you don't need to be, like you said, an expert, like obviously like there's people that are doing the day trading and the options, but it's like, unless you want that to become your full-time job, I mean, probably over 40 hours a week and like learn everything about it and like be obsessed with watching what the different like stocks and stuff are doing, like it's probably going to be very risky. So I guess for somebody who is like, oh my God, okay, I'm sold. This sounds great. It's completely passive, obviously over time where, like, where should somebody start? Like, let's say they don't know anything about this. Is there like a website you can go to start this? How do you set it up? How do you buy an index fund? Yeah. And it's so great because like, it's become so accessible, like in the past, like, I don't think people realize not that long ago, you would have to like go through a stockbroker. You'd literally have to get on the phone and call a stockbroker and buy and be like, hey, stockbroker, I want to buy this much of this stock. And then he would charge you a nice hefty fee for like getting on the phone with you and selling you that stock. And it was very slow and it would take like weeks and then it would take days. And now it happens instantaneously on your phone, right? You can literally log onto your phone, download an app and you can buy a share like while you're getting your nails done. So it's just crazy how much things have changed. And so you can use a website like Fidelity, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, all of these are called discount brokers. And you can go and open an investment account and literally start investing with a dollar. And that's the other thing I think people also have a misconception about investing is like, oh, that's for rich people, right? I get that a lot. Oh, that's for rich people must be nice. And I'm like, y'all, you don't understand. Like, it's not time that's your, it's not money. That's your most valuable asset. It's time. It's actually the sooner you start, the more your money can grow and you can start with literally a dollar. Now is a dollar going to make you a million dollars? No. Right. Obviously you need to invest more, but even something like a hundred bucks a month, $150 a month, that will add up significantly over time, especially if you're starting in your twenties. So the first thing to do really, I think is to step back and try to learn some of this lingo. Cause I've probably thrown out a lot of words already at people where they're like, I, I don't know what she's talking about. And that's the problem with investing is that they literally went out and created their own language so that they could kind of gatekeep this stuff. Right. So they created all this language around it to make it complicated. And my job is to like be an interpreter for you guys to like try to make it simpler. 
Um, but I think learning the, the vocab will make this so much easier. So learning the, you know, the vocab will, is the first step. And then you can just start executing, right? Once you know your plan, you're like, okay, well, this is how much I want to invest per month. And this is my goal. This is how long it's going to take me to get to financial independence. If I invest this amount, you can start putting the pieces together of what it is that you want to do. I love that. Is there any sort of general rule of thumb of like how much you should be investing per month? I love this question because I did a whole um, TikTok and a reel on it and it went kind of viral and I'm being a little snarky where I'm doing, you know, the two person like TikTok that you do when you're having a conversation with yourself. Um, and I was like, how much should I invest a month? And then I respond and I'm like, well, um, how about $500, $500 a month? And then the other person's like, oh my God, $500, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, oh, I just thought you wanted me to give you a number. <laughs> and so I did. Um, but basically there's no like set amount because it's literally going to be different for everybody. Again, like a 20 year old can invest a lot less, right? A 20 year old can invest 50, $100 a month and get to like a million in 40 years, but they have 40 years. But somebody who's like 40, 45, okay, you probably need to be investing quite a bit more, right? You should be the kind of person who be, who's investing like maybe three, four or $500 a month. Um, so you can kind of play catch up. There is no, you know, one number that fits for everybody, but I would say the younger you are, you can get away with a lot less. And then when you're like approaching late thirties, forties, things really do have to kick into gear and you need to start investing like a couple hundred bucks to really catch up. And if you really want like a significant nest egg at the end of the day. Okay. And I, I mean, I don't know if I've seen, if I saw this on your, um, from your content or if I've seen it somewhere else, or maybe it's just kind of a general rule of thumb, but I've heard that like the way to really create long-term wealth is by basically living below your means and then investing the difference. Would you, I don't, I don't know if you yeah. made that up or if that's just no, I wish. No, that's something that's been around for a really long time. And okay. by the way, like I, I love saying this. I did not invest invent index funds. I did not invent this way of investing. I didn't invent any of this stuff. And I, I'm happy to say that because um I'm a I'm an attorney, so I'm risk averse at heart. And I'm not gonna be the person who like jumps on something that's risky and brand new. Um, I like things that have data behind it that have been tested and index funds are, are, are that they've been around since the seventies. So this is not something new that just started, you know, yesterday. Um, but yeah, the living below your means and investing difference is crucial because it doesn't matter if you make a million dollars a year, if you spend a million dollars, what's your net worth at the end of the year, if you make a million, spend a million, it's zero. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, so I tell people, I'm like, it doesn't matter how much money you make at you have to leave some space to like save and invest. Otherwise you're just spending all the money that you make. And then you're back at square one back on the, you know, the hamster wheel of, Oh, I have to money constantly having to make more money. You have to create that space. And again, living below your means doesn't mean like couponing and being super frugal and being miserable. I don't subscribe to that lifestyle. I, you know, I've struggled enough in my life. I don't need to subscribe to that. I don't need to extend struggle in my life. And um, I, I think that there's, I'd rather be like really conscious and really intentional about how I spend my money instead of cost cutting across everything. I'll just cost cut on things that I don't care about and I'll increase on things that I do care about. Exactly. That's so funny because I, this is a DM that I get from people all the time that they'll, they'll ask me, like whenever I, whenever I post about clothes, like a lot of my clothes I buy from like Zara or even Amazon. Cause I just like, I just don't really care. And I'll get people asking me like, 
why, if you, if you can afford designer brands, why are you shopping at Zara? And I'm like, because I don't care. I would, I personally would rather, I mean, obviously I love a good like Chanel bag. That's worth the investment to me. But like, if I don't care about something, I would much rather put that money in a stock, in the stock market, investing in something else that's going to provide like a long-term passive income in that way for me than like, I don't know, a Gucci Like I'm, I'm the same way. It's so funny because I think you and I are very similar. We live like this high, low lifestyle where some things we spend really high on where people would be like sticker shocked. Mm -hmm. And then some things were really low. Like for instance, I drive a 2017 Nissan. That's not fancy at all. I bought it in cash. It was like $13,000. And I have, you know, I don't care about cars at all, but that's me. And then I'll, I'll fly first class everywhere. You know, once I, once yeah. I tasted first class, I'm like, I can't go back. Can't go so back. I, <laughs> yeah. So I fly first. I don't care. Like I'm going to San Francisco this week and I'm like, I'm flying first class. I don't care that it's like a two hour flight. I don't care, you know? Um, but that's, that's my choice. Right. Um, and I think that that's what people need to, to hone in and is on is like, okay, where's my money going to give me the biggest return on happiness? Like, where yeah. am I really going to be able to stretch that? Yes. What really matters to you. I think it's Ramit. I don't know if you follow him, Ramit Sethi. I don't know how to say his last name, but he has this concept of your rich life, which means like basically identifying the things that actually matter to you and actually make you happy. Those are actually worth spending the money on. Um, But then everybody has things like you, like a a car, like you don't care about it. So why are you going to spend a ton of money on it? It just doesn't matter. Um, But I love that. But I wanted to go back to something because I know I was talking about, obviously you can't really give an amount to invest per month, but what is your opinion on like the amount that you should save versus invest? Because I know a lot of people say like, oh, you should have, you know, six months of living expenses saved first before you invest. Like what's kind of your thought process? Yeah. I would say like the bare minimum is three months of expenses, right? And I want to clarify that it's not three months of income. It's three months of expenses. So there's a big difference, right? Um, unless you're spending all of your income. But the idea is that, that that three months is if something really bad happens, you lose your job, um, you know, you get laid off, whatever it is, there's a big, your car breaks down, you need to like quickly pull money so that you can get back on track because you need your car to go to work, right? You don't want to derail your whole life. You always want to leave that cushion. Why you don't want to be dipping into your investments. Once you invest, I tell people that money should sit there for a minimum of 10 years. You should not be touching that money for 10 years. So if you cannot commit to 10 years, do not put that money in the stock market. And I'm going to be very transparent. Like, Investing isn't for everybody. Like some people just haven't built, they haven't built like the stomach for it yet because they haven't taken the time to learn about it, right? And so build your knowledge base and you will feel more confident about investing. But yeah, the three months is a minimum. Six months, if if you want to be a little more, even more peace of mind, it all depends on like also your job industry. Like how long do you think it would take for you to replace your job? If you were to lose it, how, you know, some industries are more competitive than others. Some industries you can turn around and get a new job in two weeks. So it really does depend. If you're a business owner, same thing, right? You want to have cushion for your business. You want to make sure that you have enough to cover employees, all the things that you need to like run your business. So you you want to have like the cushion for your business and for your personal life. Now you don't want to hoard too much money. I think like once you start approaching like one year, it might be a little too much money. But again, I've seen people say they, they like to save a year and they're fine with that. Um, especially if you have kids, if you have kids, I understand having more, more money in the bank, 
But at some point, you have to start pushing money out into the stock market because invest, like we said, saving is not going to compound your money. And yes, high yield savings accounts are paying a little bit more these days. They're paying like three, some are even paying 4%, which is awesome. But remember that the stock market usually has a return of like around eight to 10%. So no savings account is ever going to touch that. It's never going to come close to eight to 10%. You know, as far as how much you should be investing, I, the formula that I think everybody should know is the financial independence formula. Take your expenses, your annual expenses, multiply by 25, and that is your financial independence number. So let's say you're $40,000 a year. You're like, oh my God, if I you know, paid off my mortgage and I don't have a car note, I could live off of $40,000 a year easy, right? Like that would cover all my expenses. Cool. So you take 40,000 times 25, that's a million dollars. That means if you have a million dollars invested, you can pull $40,000 a year and the money will not run out for like 30 or more years, right? So you're basically paying yourself a salary from that bucket of money. And people are like, that's nice. I don't have a million dollars. Well, it's not, you're not expected to make the million dollars and invest a million dollars out of your pocket. Maybe you end up investing 150,000 or 200,000 over many, many years. The stock market is going to do the heavy lifting there. The stock market is going to fill in that gap, right? That gap from 200,000 to 800,000, the stock market is going to create that growth for you. But this is stuff that takes time. And I think that's what people don't understand is like, this is a time consuming endeavor and you have to be very, very patient, but it's, you know, it will work if you just let it work. So about six years ago, I was living as a minimalist in a tiny house, thousands of dollars in debt, never spending a dime on anything non-essential. And I just started to have this feeling like, I want more than this. I want freedom to make my own schedule, to travel the world, to take bougie vacations and not limit myself to the cheapest food item on every menu anymore. Most importantly, I wanted to make an impact and help tons of people all over the world without hustling or working myself into the ground. Maybe some of you listening can relate to this. I just knew that there had to be a way to make passive, scalable income while I was at the spa. And even though everyone else thought that I was crazy, I created created my first online nutrition course and proved everybody wrong. Online courses are a way to provide value to an unlimited amount of people at once in a completely passive way. Meaning you could be making thousands of dollars and enrolling new students while you're at the spa, which is actually something I do almost every week now. At this point, I've helped over 2,700 entrepreneurs in all different industries like real estate, hairstyling, makeup, homeschooling, motherhood, interior design, graphic design, human design, astrology, business and marketing, photography, language, social media, and so many others create profitable, scalable, and passive online courses inside my program, Online Course Academy. To learn more about Online Course Academy, how to choose a profitable topic, how to grow your audience from scratch without ads, and how to start selling your online course passively, I would love to have you come join my free masterclass called How to Make Passive Income with Your Own Online Course. The link to join the masterclass will be in the show notes of this episode and will also be linked in my Instagram bio at Rebel Nutrition. Remember, this is a completely free class, so there's literally no risk to join, but the rewards could pay off passively for years to come. See you there.
Yeah, I think something that helped me too, like I know you said, if, or maybe I, this is just something that I, some, my mom is actually works for a financial advisor and she has told me this before. Like if you're investing, like don't actually look at it all the time because it does fluctuate. And so if you're somebody almost who is too attached to what is happening to your investments, it's actually going to be bad because then the stock market goes down and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to take my money out before it's gone. So like, sometimes I just look at it as in another expense, or I mean, it literally is an investment, but sometimes like when you, let's say you're, you're purchasing something for your business, that's an expense. You're not like really concerned with the money after it's gone because, right, you know, and so that's kind of how I view it. I, I mean, obviously I look at it every couple of months or something just to see how it's going, mm-hmm. but I'm not like every single day. Cause that would, that would drive me insane. But yeah, I mean, if I wasn't in this business, I would not look at my portfolio, but because it's like my job to talk about the stock market, I have to look at the stock market every day. But if it was up to me, I would delete all these apps from my phone and I would never think about the stock market. I check in like five years and be like, okay, how's it doing? Um, like Fidelity ran this study where they're like, who are the best investors? And it turned out it was dead people. So people who have like, like they had 401ks when they died and maybe they like forgot about like they never it never got passed on to like their heirs. It's just sitting there. Those are the accounts that do the best because nobody's touching it. Nobody's doing anything to it. There's no trading going on inside of it. It's literally doing what you're supposed to do, which is let it sit and let it grow. And those are the accounts that do the best. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> so I guess on that note too, would you recommend investing a certain, like maybe a lower amount monthly rather than like once a year, a big chunk? Yeah. I would not do lump sum um, unless like, you know, it's, I wouldn't like hoard money, for instance. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to save up to like $5,000 and then I'm going to invest. I wouldn't do it that way. But if, for instance, let's say you get a bonus. And you were like, oh, I do have an extra $5,000. What should I do with it? Yeah, go ahead and invest it in the in the market, right? In a lump sum. Um, most people get paid, you know, paychecks or they're getting money from their business and it's kind of like trickling in. I suggest you invest every time you get paid, like whatever it is, right? You take a percentage from whatever it is you're getting paid and you throw it in the market. So decide um, what that amount's going to be. And if you can automate it even better, like have the money come straight out of your account and go straight to your investments, and then you don't have to think about it at all. That's the best way to do it. But that's really the best way to do it. And that's called dollar cost averaging, which means that some days you're going to be buying um, index funds for a certain price, right? It'll be like, let's say it'll be $350 one day. And then the next day it'll be 320 and then it will be, you know, 380. But at the end of the day, it's like you're getting some low prices, you're getting some high prices, but you're averaging out as the market goes. So I think like doing the, you know, the dollar cost average um, method is the best way. Okay. And then what are your thoughts on, like, obviously we talked about there's different types of investments. What are your thoughts on the stock market, investing in the stock market versus investing in real estate? Like, yeah. do you think one is better than the other? Should you do both? I know a lot of people are right. kind of like really pro one or the other. <laughs> Yes. And I, I think that's so funny because you really, you don't have to be like, these things are not at odds with each other. Like you can be both. Um, if you're the kind of person where you love HGTV, you love renovating, or, you know, you want to run an Airbnb or you want to be a landlord, go for it. You know, like if you want to house hack, if you want to do those things, if you feel called to do that, cool. I, that is literally my worst nightmare. I am an introvert and I cannot imagine like managing properties and dealing with people like that gives me so much anxiety. So I have zero interest. I can't, I can barely hang something on my wall. Like I just cannot, 
do the things. So that's not for me. Like real estate is not for me. Um, but I know a lot of people who love it. They get, they love getting their hands dirty. They love flipping houses and that's their thing. Cool. Guess what? If you're, if you love all doing all those things, you're going to be getting cash flow from your properties, right? Well, what are you doing with that cash flow? Again, like, are you letting it sit in a savings account? Why not also funnel that into the stock market um, and get some diversification, right? So now you've got money coming from the stock market. You've got money coming from your properties. Cool. Like you're making money several different ways. You're more streams of income, right? Um, but for me personally, like it, real estate is not for me, but do I invest in real estate? Yes. Um, there's actually a way to invest in real estate through the stock market. They're actually called REITs. So they're like real estate investment trusts. And you just basically, it's like a big index fund of real estate. So I can invest in like commercial property, residential property, all kinds of different property. And I don't have to manage property. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to be a landlord and I'm invested in real estate. I love that. And I feel like I just learned about REITs and I'm like, I, because I don't know if you know this, but I recently bought a house. Um, yes, I know that. Congrats. Well, thank <laughs> you. But I think what I'm realizing is that I don't know if home ownership is for me. Oh, <laughs> that like really that exact reason. Like everybody says, Oh, it's such a good investment. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is how much time and effort comes with that. And if you are like my main focus for me is my business and the profit that I'm able to make in my business is so much more worth my time than dealing with shit in my house, you know? And like, and even I've thought before too, like, oh, you know, with this extra money that I have, maybe it makes sense to like buy some rental properties and now owning a house. I'm like, the stock market seems like such a better option or REITs. Like you said, basically you can own a piece of real estate with, and in a way more passive way, because you don't have to deal with renters. Yeah. You don't have to deal with, you know, things that go wrong in your house. So I, I think that's like such a genius option for people that, like didn't even I mean I really didn't even know about that until recently and then do you know what the you said the typical uh return for the stock market is eight percent right yeah and then do you know what it is for a REIT or for real estate or if it if it's different between the well two? it varies so okay. it varies on the REIT. so it depends on what's inside of it right um so it, they there are hundreds if not thousands of REITs that you can choose from um so again you're now going from investing in the entire stock market which that's what I do, right? And when you invest in the entire stock market, it includes REITs in there already. But if you are now like, oh no, I specifically want to invest in REITs, now you're like niching down to a specific sector. So remember when you niche down to a specific sector, you're always increasing your risk too. So just be careful with that. Like some people are like, oh, I only want to invest in tech and I only want to invest in oil and gas. And I'm like, okay, again, you're niching down. That's like risky, right? I invest in all those things. Like I don't pick, I don't, there are no favorites. I have no favorite children. They're all my children. Um, I'm like, give, give me all of them. Give me the the ugly children, the, the, the cute children, the, the criers, the happy babies, give me all of them and I'll take them all. Um, that's how I go about it. But if you have a specific knowledge, you know, base about a, an industry, you're like, a, maybe you're a real estate broker, uh, maybe you used to work in oil and gas, maybe you know something about the tech industry, you have an affinity for that. And you're like, no, I, I want to like, put more of my money here. Go for it. Um, but I'm really glad you brought up the home thing, because I think a lot of people um, are scared to say that because buying a home is such a massive like milestone and you know you're supposed to like celebrate and everybody's like congratulations and then to come back and be like hey guys this isn't like as awesome as I thought it was gonna be you know nobody wants to hear that right um but that's what I tell people I'm like home ownership is a lot of work 
Nobody talks about all the trips they go to Home Depot and all the weekends they spend at Lowe's. <laughs> and um, also it's, you know, it's a much higher barrier to entry. Like you need a lot of money to like buy a home, right? You need thousands and thousands of dollars. Whereas with an index fund, like I said, you can literally buy it for a dollar. So the barrier of entry is much, much lower for investing in the stock market. Um, so something for people to think about, especially if they're low income. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually was talking to my husband about this yesterday and like why people really view buying a home. It's like such a, especially in America, like it's such a yes. thing that everybody wants. And I almost wonder if it's because like real estate, for example, versus the stock market. It, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that like when you buy a home, everybody can see it. Like it's something that is really like, you can post about it on social media. I mean, even I did that because it was very exciting. Like people literally come to your home and they see it, but no one's seeing what's happening in your like investment accounts. No, know? nobody's like, look at my index funds. <laughs> totally. so, I mean, I think it's a good reminder to really like stop paying attention to like what people can see from the outside and really pay attention to what matters more to me. Like how valuable is my time? And do I want to be going to Home Depot every weekend for the next 20 years, you know, or do I want to focus my time on my business and like do something more passive, like invest in the stock market? So, I mean, it's just like things that I'm learning now and I, you know, had to learn the hard way maybe, but I think it's good to just like get that out there. Cause I don't think a lot of people like you said, talk about it. Yeah. And to be fair, like the real estate, you know, real estate, the reason why we're so attached to real estate in America is because it was the way to build wealth for so long. Like it worked out for our parents and our grandparents. It really did for them. They had pensions though at work. They had pensions. They worked at the same job for 40 years. They had pensions and then they buy the house. And, you know, they would, they were able to retire and feed a family of like five on one salary. Think about that. That is a completely different world than the one that we live in now. Like real estate, the prices are through the roof. Inflation is out of control. College uh, tuition is out of control. Like we, this generation, millennials and younger, we need to build wealth in a different way. We cannot build wealth the way our parents built. You know, um, it, it worked for them. Great. But it's it's no longer going to work for us. Pivoting a little bit. I wanted to talk about retirement accounts and like saving for retirement as a self-employed person. You would be I'm, I mean, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but people ask me all the time, like, oh, how do you save for retirement if you are self-employed? I'm like, well, it's just probably I think the same way. It's just your employer is not doing it for you. You have to do it yourself. So what, I guess, where would you, if somebody is self-employed and they haven't been saving for retirement, what would you advise them? Yeah. Um, well, to definitely open what's called either a solo 401k or a SEP IRA. Which one do you have, Amy? Um, I think I have both. Is that possible? Okay. I don't think you can contribute to both. You can have both, but you, you can only contribute fully to one. Well, because I have... I have the one that I think you can max out at like 5,500 a year or 6,000 a year. Okay. You, that's a Roth IRA. That's like an IRA. Okay. And then, and then I also invest basically as much as my accountant tells me to for tax right. into my SEP. Yeah. Oh. There you go. So you have a SEP IRA and I think you have just like a regular IRA. So okay. it's an individual retirement account. And that's the one where this year, the, the max is 6,500. Um, so an individual retirement account, anybody can open it. It's not tied to your job. It's not tied, um, you know, to your business, but you do need earned income. So you can't just like throw money in there if you don't have earned income. So you have to have some kind of earned income and you could put in $6,500 a year. Um, so anybody can open that, whether they're an employee or an entrepreneur. So for an entrepreneur to invest even more though, like what you're saying, like $60,000 a year, 
You can do that with either a solo 401k or a SEP IRA. And they're very, very similar in the way that they work. I, I prefer the solo 401k personally because it's, you know, it's more flexible. The 401k has better benefits and it's, you can also get a Roth option. So if you like the idea of investing your money and letting it grow tax-free, you can do that in a giant solo 401k, right? So it's like taking your Roth IRA and it's like on steroids and it's just a lot of money that you can throw in there and let it grow tax-free. Um, so I, pref I prefer that one. And then when you're done maxing those guys out and you're like, okay, I put money in all those guys, I still have more money to invest. That's when you go to a nice regular brokerage account. So this is just a regular investment account that yes, you don't get like the traditional tax benefits from, but you do and you don't. Again, I, this is why investing gets so complicated. Brokerage account has no limits. You can put as much money as you want. You also can pull the money out whenever you want. You don't have to wait until you're like a retirement age. So that gives you like a lot of flexibility, especially if you want to retire early. Like I'm planning to, you know, stop working by the time I'm 45. I want to be able to pull money out whenever I want to. The, bro the brokerage account allows me to do that. And then I can let my solo 401k sit and grow and I can spend that money when I'm like 60 years old. You know, so you want to have a collection of different investment accounts. So you have different buckets of money to pull from at different ages. Okay. So what, I guess, is there a benefit to having, so the SEP is, I think, what does it stand for? Self-employed. I um, just forgot. No, I, I don't but, remember, what it's called, but is there yeah. a benefit to have it? I, is there a benefit I think it's self versus, like a, versus like a 401k? Um, what is the benefit? Oh, yeah. it's simplified employee. Mm. Simplified employee pension. Oh. Wow, I had not even thought of yeah. that. <laughs> well, I got that wrong. <laughs> see, and that's like this misleading because you'll see the word pension. You'll be like, oh, it's a pension plan. And if you're if you go to your parents and ask them, oh, didn't you have a pension, grandpa? And they tell you what it is, it's completely different from what this thing is. This is not a pension, right? Because a pension is like guaranteed, meaning no matter what the market's doing, you're gonna get money. That's a the traditional pension. This is not that. This is tied to the stock market. So it's totally different. But anyway, so the thing is about the SEP that you have to do if you're if you're a business owner is if you have employees. If you have employees, you have to do the SEP. With the solo 401k, you cannot have employees. The only exception is a spouse. Your spouse can be your employee and that's it. Um, so that's why a lot of people choose the SEP. So I don't have any employees. I used an independent contractor as my virtual assistant. So I, I can do the solo. But if one day I wanted an employee, I ha would have to stop investing in the solo and move on to the SEP. But they're very, very similar. You can buy the same investments in both. You're going to get the same tax benefits. Um, it's like I said, the only big difference is the Roth option. The SEP IRA has no Roth option. The solo 401k does. Okay, amazing. Um, I'm trying to figure out my last couple questions for you here. Okay. And so if somebody's interested in, in opening the 401k, the Roth IRA, or <laughs> Roth IRA, the SEP, can those all be done the same place that you can buy the index funds like you were talking before? So you could go to like a Fidelity or a Charles Schwab for that? Okay, yes. amazing. You don't have to, yeah. And you can do it all in one place. Like you don't have to have multiple places you can have your Roth IRA your SEP all in one one broker so that you don't have a bunch of different accounts to manage okay do you and when do you um, advise hiring a financial advisor what is your thought on that yeah I think that whether you're going to hire a financial advisor or not it's important that you guys understand at least the basics around this stuff so that you can have an informed conversation with this person right because I'll tell you they don't have the time 
to sit there and explain to you what an index fund is. They don't have the time to define every single term for you. The idea is that you're going there, you're trusting in their expertise, and they're like, you know, it's kind of similar to going like a tax preparer. They don't sit there and teach you the tax code, right? They don't tell you about every single deduction that they're using. They don't have time for that. So it's the same idea, but it's, you know, it's your money and you should really like understand what it is you're being invested in. Um, unfortunately, like if you guys haven't watched the Bernie Madoff uh, Netflix special, highly recommend. This is what these people were doing. They basically washed their hands from their money. They handed it off, didn't even know who was managing, didn't know what he was investing in. And they paid a price for that, right? Because it turned out to be this big scam, Ponzi scheme. And you just, you can never like completely unplug yourself from your money. But I would say like a financial planner is great for many things, not just like managing your investments. They can help you with estate planning. You know, they can talk to you about tax consequences of your investments. I think it's super beneficial to consult with one when you're like getting closer to retirement, honestly, because then you want to be like, okay, I've got all of these accounts. I did all the right things. I invested, I made the money. Now I want to know the most strategic tax optimized way to, to pull all the money out of these different buckets which order should i go in which which account should i you know drain first and they're going to help walk you through that and figure out an amount that you should be withdrawing from which account and how to like reduce your taxes in the most way in the most efficient way possible i really think it's like very powerful to talk to a financial planner at that point but if you're at the very beginning you're literally like oh i'm going to open my first roth ira i'm going to buy my first index fund you don't need a financial planner to do that like you guys are more than capable of learning this stuff and doing it yourself also you know a lot of them the good ones they require you to have like a net worth of $100,000 or $200,000 to like manage your portfolio like a lot of them won't even help you when you really need it so it's better that you learn this stuff in the beginning and then eventually you can hire one and I think we'll get into this in a second, but I think I'm guessing your course kind of teaches people how to do this. Yes, yeah. correct. Okay, perfect. I mean, I was like, of course. I mean, she has a course, so I'm sure that's what it teaches, which is amazing. Um, a couple more questions. And I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on like crypto and NFTs and all of those kind of trendier types. Of yeah, I, it's so funny because I feel very vindicated because um, I was called a boomer a lot on TikTok. I mean, a lot. Um, when I kept telling people, y'all don't put all your money in crypto, like this stuff is, you know, very risky. And, but everybody was so excited about it. Right. There was so much FOMO. People were like, I made this much money in like a week. And, you know, I don't deny that people made a lot of fast money, but then when the party was over, a lot of people also lost money. Right. And unfortunately, a very sad statistic that came out of all that is that a lot of people of color really got caught up in this because it was really heavily, heavily marketed to communities of color as this was going to be the thing that fixed like the wage gap. This is the thing that was going to fix, you know, the racial wealth gap. And this is our this is our time. This is our chance. And unfortunately, a lot of people dumped their money into crypto and they came out empty handed. So um, I, you know, constantly we're telling people don't do it. If you are going to buy crypto, make it very small, make it like a small percentage of your portfolio, like less than 5%. And I didn't even dip my feet into crypto until I had like hundreds of thousands of dollars invested. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me see what this is all about. I tried it out. I, you know, I didn't make any money on it. I lost money on it while my index funds were making money. I was losing money on crypto. And I'm like, I don't, 
I don't like it. I'm like, this is very volatile, very risky. It's not for me. And I exited out of it and I haven't touched it since. It's, you know, not, not for me. Again, you can explore it, but I would keep it very, very small in your portfolio and be okay with that per that portion of your portfolio going to zero because it can. Like crypto is the kind of thing that can go to zero, whereas an index fund, it's not going to go to zero unless the entire U.S. economy were to collapse at the same time, right? Like every single company would have to collapse at the same time for the stock market to go to zero. Whereas with crypto, if you haven't been following the news, this happens like every other week, there's a company that goes bankrupt and people are like, where's my crypto? And it just disappeared into thin air. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it too. Like I have dabbled in it, but I've, I only put enough in that I have like been okay, that I would be okay with losing essentially. Cause I'm like, I don't trust it. Yeah. Just like I I've only invested enough that I would be okay with losing. And like you said, it just, it's very volatile. So um, okay, I guess kind of switching gears for my last question, because this is something I've seen you talk about, which is very exciting. And it's, it's a, it's an idea that I've had as well. And I think your plan when you retire or maybe before is to move to Portugal. Is that correct? So are you going to, are you planning to do that when you retire or before for the tax benefit? Girl, that's happening this year. Oh, this year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm actually move. I'm actually going to San Francisco in the next week. Um, to drop off my visa application. And so as soon as my visa is approved, I'm out of here. So I've actually expedited my plan. Um, thanks to, you know, my business and everything going so well, I'm able to like get there faster. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So for those of you who don't know, and I'm not super familiar, so you'll have to like correct me, but is Portugal is one of the states where I think, are you doing the golden visa or how? I'm not doing the golden visa. So that's like the one where you buy property and you become an investor there. Okay. That's one option. I'm doing what's called the D7. It's like a retiree visa. Basically, you just have to show that you have passive income. So again, if you have real estate, you know, rental income or whatever, you can show that. I am using my investments. So I just have to show that I get paid dividends, which I do. And um, the interest from my savings account. So the, con the combination of those two things. All you have to show is that you, I think it's left 750 euros a month. As long as you can show that you have a 750 euro income, passive income per month, you qualify for this visa. And then they just came out with a digital nomad visa. So if you have a business of any kind or you're, you can work remotely for your nine to five, you can now apply as a digital nomad and move to Portugal based on that too. Which is so cool because if you have a business and I'm pretty sure Portugal is one of the countries where do you not have to pay tax or something? There's something no, there's tax, but it's like a very it's like for 10 years, they will not tax certain income. So it is a it's called the NH, NHR regime. It's very expat friendly. Um, and yeah, that's one of the benefits of moving there for sure. They don't they also they don't tax crypto at all. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know there's like a couple countries just for anybody who's like a digital nomad and a business owner who's like, oh my gosh, I pay way too much in tax in the US. There are some countries like that that like will drastically reduce the amount that you pay. Well, and let me let me flag that. You are still <laughs> going to have to pay US taxes forever and ever. The US is one of the only, well, it's one of the few countries, I think it's only three or four countries where it doesn't matter where you go on the planet, you have to pay federal taxes unless you give up your U.S. citizenship. And okay. So maybe yeah. you have to pay federal, but maybe it's, you don't have to pay state, obviously. Yeah. Not. Yeah, okay. Which will be so nice because I'm, you're in California. I'm in yeah. California 
it will be nice to not have to pay that California yeah. tax. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a good distinction though. Okay. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited for you. That's just the most exciting thing ever. And I can't wait to follow along when you're in Portugal. You've been to Portugal before, I'm assuming. Yeah, I actually took my mom um, in 2022 because I'm like, hey, mom, this is your future home, too, because my goal is to bring my mom and retire her as well, buy her a home. Um, and I wanted to make sure that she liked it. And of course, she loved it. Um, she's like, absolutely. I can't wait to live here. Um, and we were Brazilian, so we speak Portuguese. So at least the language isn't a barrier. But it's again, everybody speaks English, I would say the majority of people speak English there. So very easy to maneuver. Um, but it's a beautiful country. It's basically like a California in Europe. Yeah. Like no, the weather definitely. is very similar to San Diego, LA, you know, you've got wine country up North, the city in the middle, and then you've got beaches to the South. It's a phenomenal country. And not to mention you're so close to like Italy and France and so many other places. My, uh, my brother-in-law is actually from Portugal. So him and my sister spend a lot of time there. So amazing. Yeah. So I'm so excited for you. So where can, where can people learn more if they're like, okay, I want to set up my investment accounts, but I need somebody to teach me how to do it. Like tell people where they can go to get your course and everything else. Absolutely. So obviously where I spend most of my time is on Instagram. So you can find me there at Daily and the Money Coach. And I have a free class that you can watch. So it's um, you can either go to investforindependence.com or use the link in my bio. And through that, you'll learn about my course, Slay the Stock Market, which um, has over almost 6,200 students now since I launched it in 2020. And all, yeah, all that information, easy to find right there on Instagram. Okay, amazing. And if you guys found this episode helpful, it would mean so much to me if you could take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, and then tag Delianne at Delianne, the money coach, and tag me at Rebel Nutrition. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Wealthy, Worthy, and Wild. If you enjoyed this episode or found it helpful, would you do me a huge favor and either share it on your Instagram stories and tag me or leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you were listening to this? It helps us reach more people with this message. I love and appreciate you all so much. And remember, the most effective way to attract your desires is to start showing up as the version of you who already has those things right now. There's nothing standing in your way from feeling those feelings today. Now go have a beautiful rest of your day.